Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. School holidays. Who's excited? <clears throat> cool. You're a teacher. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's awesome to have the kids around. It's awesome when they go back to school, but it's awesome to have them around. It's good stuff. <clears throat> Today's message is called First Fruits. And, and the question that we're looking at today, or some of the questions that sort of ponder around our, our mind around this is, well, does God need your money? Does God need your money? Was actually, does God need anything? Like, if God is God, does he need anything? Or maybe a better question is, what does God want? Today we are, we're actually, we're talking about money, we're talking about finances. So I've got an apology and a non-apology. The apology is, if you're visiting with us today, if somebody brought you today and it's your first Sunday here... I apologize because it's the, the, one of the Sundays, very rare Sundays here at Yorkie that we talk about money. Um, you're probably going to feel uncomfortable, but I promise you, you won't feel as uncomfortable as the person that invited you. <laughs> um, the non-apology is that God talks about money all the time in his word. Jesus talks about money all the time. And so we don't apologize for preaching what's in scripture. We have to do it. Um, but we do apologise for the timing for those newcomers and visitors here uh, today. Today we're going to look at the question of what does God want? And how can we give God what he wants? If you've ever wrestled with that, then scripture, of course, has an incredible uh, bunch of passages that are going to answer that question for us today but let's start in prayer dear heavenly father we pray today as we we look at this idea of money which is so close to our heart and can evoke so many different emotions lord i pray this morning as we open up scripture that you would reveal to us the truth of what you desire lord would you soften our hearts so that you could be the god of every aspect of who we are and lord would you speak to us Lord, convict us if we need it, but also grant us peace as well if we are serving you the way you've called us to. Lord, may this Sunday not be a Sunday, not, not be a message that weighs us with guilt, but Lord, helps us understand who you are and how much we can love you with what we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm not going to string it out. What does God want? It shouldn't be any surprise. God wants a relationship with you. That's what he wants. He wants a relationship. From the beginning of time, God does just designed this world. He created us in his image. He gave us free will so that we could have and choose to have a relationship with him. That's what he wants. Now, what I believe has happened within the church, I'm saying you know, the, the wider church across the world, is that when we've said, God, you are our Lord and Savior and Master, and yeah, we worship you, we've sort of brought God down to this, this is us, 
and this is God. And we've sort of tried to make God something that we can understand, something that we can control, something that's on our terms, when in fact he created the world. This is God, and really, this is us. Yet he still wants a relationship with you. That's incredible. It's not like this. It's like this huge divide. The creator of the universe paid the ultimate sacrifice to, bro- to repair what was broken through Jesus Christ. He deeply wants a relationship with you. So how do we make sure that God is God? Because, like, let's face it, I don't want a God that's on this level because I've got failures, I make mistakes, I, I make noises when I get out of the chair now, like I'm getting old. I, I, anybody waking themselves up at night time, you hear this, like, some sort of pig sort of demonic noise coming and you realize oh that was me like what was that oh it's me I'm at that age right I don't want a God that's got those issues that's got those failures I want a God that is God the creator of everything that they they can they can make the world that they can can perform miracles that can provide where there is no provision like that's the God that I want not this controlling God. So how do I make sure that God is where he should be in my priorities? What's the checklist? Well, the beauty is scripture speaks into that so incredibly clearly. Jesus actually talks about this this value system when the, the Pharisees and the Herodians are trying to trip him up. They're trying to catch him out and they ask him this trick question. They kept trying to do this. Jesus is pretty cluey and he answers brilliantly. But what they do is they say, they say in, in Mark chapter 12, verse 13 through to 17, we read that they come up to him and they say, Teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity and you aren't swayed by others because you pay no, no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. So is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shouldn't we? And they want a yes or no answer. They've tried to back him into a corner. You see, if Jesus says that, that Rome, who is the dominating power, it's not a Jewish um, God's chosen people in, in authority, it's a foreign country. If he bows down to Rome and says, yes, you should pay taxes to Rome, he's saying, Rome is my God. And they're trying to catch him out. If he says, don't pay taxes to Rome, what they're, they're going to do then is go and get the Roman soldiers and say, hey, this guy's not paying taxes. You should arrest him. They've tried to back him into a corner. Jesus is pretty smart. He calls him out. He knew their hypocrisy. Hey, why are you trying to trap me? He said, bring me a, a denarius, which is a coin. Let me look at it. They brought him the coin and he asked them, whose image is on this? And whose instru- inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. If it's a coin with Caesar's face on it, give it back to him. If it's Caesar that's, that's doing the tax collecting, if Caesar that's running the place in this space, in this time, give to him what is his, that's okay. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But then there's the right hook and give to God what is God's. Here's us. Here's our earthly leaders. Here's Caesar's. You know, yep, there's respect, but seriously, God trumps it all. You just, if you, have you taken a breath while you've been at church today? Well, where'd the air come from? That's God's. 
God made the plants. He created the world we live in. Every breath comes from God. And we've talked about Yahweh, the idea of Yahweh. And in the old language, in the Old Testament, they wouldn't even say God's name out of fear of saying it wrong. But you would breathe it, Yahweh. Yahweh is the modern day interpretation of God. Every breath is an act of worship. Every breath comes from God. The food we eat, the, the, the bodies that he's created to, to repair themselves and, and do what they do until they get old and they wake you up at night time. And, and just the amazing things that God has given us. The incredible intellect that he's given us because we are created in the image of the creator. Therefore, we are creative. Let me to say that one again. I don't know if I can. <laughs> we are created in the image of the creator, therefore we are creative. And so we can create things with our mind and our intellect. And you'll look, well, most of us would have come here in some form of transport with wheels. I know there's a, there's a bike out there. It's a great day for cycling. <laughs> Not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's huge. I know there's a race on a Black Hill. Um, everyone's cycling down there. Good luck. Um, but but we, we've, we've come in incredible transport. We were sitting in a heated room. Like We can create incredible things because God made us to be creative. Everything we have is God's. On the seventh day of creation, God made a day that was set apart, the Sabbath. And, and it was a token day to say, really, every day that you have is God's. But on this one day, as a token, stop and worship him. It's the idea of Sabbath. So, so God says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. But to make sure that we sort of have a bit of a checklist, God helps us throughout Scripture on how to do this. In the Old Testament, they didn't even have money. They didn't have the coin. They didn't have the denarius. And so how, how were they to live to make sure that their priorities were right? Well, in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it says this. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or from soil or the fruits from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Holy means set apart. It is set apart to the Lord. Now picture this. God's people at the time this is written are a nomadic people, which means they they don't have land that's theirs. They're moving around all over the place. So as they move around all over the place, they're, they're... They've got some animals and they might find some wheat and they might have some crops. They might stay in place for a little while and they might find some trees and stuff. They don't have money. What they say is a tenth, a tithe, which is 10% of everything you have belongs to God. A a 10% of what you have is set apart for God. And and in that system, the the 10% would go to a, a tribe of God's people who were running the sacrificial system within what was the, the Holy of Holies, the tabernacle, the church. And those priests were not to have land and not to be doing that sort of work because they, they, would be, they were to be so focused on ensuring God's people were right, so focused on teaching God's word, so focused on the sacrificial system that they weren't to get distracted with anything else. And so God's word says that 10%, a tithe of everything that you find, belongs to God. Now, that worked okay for a little while, and we've got 10, I don't know how biblical this is, but 10 ice cream, like milkshake containers. Ta-da! They're old, so maybe not biblically old, but they're old. 
And, and what started to happen is God's people said, okay, and they started to focus on the rule rather than the relationship. And the problem is when you start focusing on the rule rather than the relationship, God's sovereignty, who God is, starts to come down. God doesn't need your money. God wants your heart. And what they were starting to do is they'd go, okay, we've got 10 um, cups here, and so I'm going to give God the tithe. Um, so that's 10%. Um, oh, actually, actually, that one's, that one's, yeah, it's got the dent. That's got a couple, yeah, it's not quite round. That's a bit dented. 10% to God, and I'll keep the good ones for myself. And that started to happen, and we read in Scripture that God's people started to worship other gods, as God's priority started to come down, they started to get distracted with the things of the world. They started to, to act certain ways. And all of a sudden, God goes, hey, I love you so much, but I can't give you the blessing that I want to give you. And they end up caught up in captivity. And so what we start reading then is, is the prophets start speaking about this idea of tithing. And Ezekiel chapter 44 verse 30 says this, in order, the checklist, in order to do this right, the best of all the first fruits and of all your special gifts will belong to the priests. You are to give it to them, the first portion of your grand meals, so that a blessing may rest on your household. So instead of giving the dinted one, you look through what you've got and from the first of whatever it is, you go, hey, this one is almost brand new. It's even got a little poorer. Like, like this, this is the best of all this. The best, the first fruit, the best of what you got goes to God. It's not the loose change, the, the afterthought in your pocket. It's the first thought. The best of what you got goes to God. You've still got a lot left. God's not trying to make you go without. There's lots. Look how much is left. But God wants your heart. Give him the best, the first fruit. I wonder, when we look at our priorities and our relationship with God, to God, is, is what, you, what you give, is it proportionate to what God means to you? Does what you give, is that proportionate to what God means to you? I've got to say, I wrestled with this story. I didn't want to tell this story, but God wouldn't let up. And so I felt like I need to, so I will. Um, and I'll, understand, I'll explain why I wrestled with it um, in a minute. At this, probably about this time last year, throughout COVID, we realised the finances here at Yorkie were starting to run a bit lean and we're on a trajectory through COVID. Um, people were losing jobs, people couldn't work. Uh, we were still online on and off all the time and, and money was going down. Now, in a few months, uh, in the next few weeks, we'll give a report on where finances are. We're in the middle, um, Anthony and the elders and myself are in the middle of doing budget work at the moment and we will announce where, um, where that's at. But at the start of this year, a really hard decision was made to try and counter where the finances were at. And, and I've shared this before, but I don't like to bring it up again, but one of the first things that happened was I offered a portion of my wage as a donation to the church to try and offset where we were at. So I said, I will keep working, but I will get paid less, but keep working the same to try and get us through this season. I'm leading in this season. I didn't cause COVID, I promise, but I'm leading through this season, so I'll do what I have to do. 
you know, for the benefit of the church that I deeply love. Um, much to my um, objection, Anthony followed suit and did exactly the same thing. And, and we were looking at it and it still wasn't enough. And, and heartbreakingly and agonizingly, we had to cut the hours of every single staff member. Um, we, we put the decision off for six months, just praying and hoping that that wasn't going to need to do, wasn't going to have to take place. But we ended up in this space where everyone took a, a financial hit. So we've started this year financially down. Then we get to March. And something that I've been so passionate about within the life of York Street, this, this partnership with a group called Compassion that, that sponsor children in third world countries who are in desperate poverty of essential needs and to be able to rescue them in the name of Jesus, to sponsor them, to give them an education, to give them clothes, but also to have them hear about who Jesus is and the reason that they're being helped and given this financial system. Like, assistance is just amazing and crazy. And we already had like 80-something sponsored children in the church that we weren't partnering with. Hello. I'm pretty sure we were partnering, but just not officially. So we had to make that official, and now we're up to 130. I'm looking at Anthony. 130 um, something, yep. Um, children sponsored this year. It's incredible. And we're looking forward to being able to, to go over on mission trip. It's so good. Anyway, we've launched this, and Yvette and I are like, well, we've got to sponsor a kid. We already have sponsored kids. I won't give you a number. But we, had to, we just had to sponsor another child. And so I want to say personally, at the start of this year, I am getting less finances for what I do because we've had to lower everybody's wages and hours. Um, both my, Anthony and myself are working more and we're giving more because we've got these sponsor kids. It doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't make sense other than it's what the Bible says would happen when we read in Acts chapter 20 verse 35 where Jesus himself said it's more blessed to give than receive because we found ourselves this year largely because um, of the, the work that Yvette does in the, the college at the school and more hours, we've actually found ourselves this year better financially off than we've ever been in our lives. On less wages, working more and giving more. Now, if you talk to a financial planner about that, they would go, what? That shouldn't work. But because of, we've given for the right reasons. We, we, haven't given to, we haven't given thinking this is going to give us more money. That's not why we give. We gave because we love God's church. And because we gave, God has blessed us incredibly this year. I didn't want to share that story because up until I shared that story, I did all this humbly. <laughs> but now you know about it. So I don't know where that sits here that I didn't want to share it but I felt like God wanted me to. I also want to share that it doesn't always happen that way. You don't, you don't, I've got about four stories in 44 years of living where I have given something to God and I've been blessed back in a, as a direct proportionate return. You know, times when I've given some money and I've got that money back or when we've, we've taken a sacrifice for God and God has blessed us. Like, you don't give to receive. That's, that's not what we're trying to do. We give because of who God is. We give, give because we love him. I, I'm happily to give my wage to the church because I love the church desperately. 
And I believe in the mission of York Street. Absolutely. That's why we give. But there's opportunities for God to be able to, to bless us back in the midst of that. You know, we, we sing all these songs at church. You know, God, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, but I can't give you my finances. You know, I surrender all, or I surrender a little bit. I surrender the loose change in my pocket. Now, is, is your God the God of your finances? Is God the God of your finances? I, I want to be really clear. We've taken up the offering today. We're not going to do another go. This isn't actually about trying to get you to put money in the plate today. That's not what this is about at all. We've done that. We do it every Sunday. A lot of us do it online. That's not what this is about. So if you're feeling really uncomfortable, it's like, oh, we've got to send the plate around again. That's not what this is about at all. This is about you and God in your relationship, allowing God to be God of every aspect of your life. Is your God the God of your finances? You see, God wants a relationship with you. That's what he wants. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't want your money. God wants a relationship. And often through that, there's things that we can show him that you're God of our lives. By giving to him. But by, by giving of your time, of your thoughts, of your energy. You might be a uni student, because it's not about the, the number. Don't get hung up. This is what the, the early church, the disciples, got hung up about the number. Sorry, not the disciples. The, the, the Israelites got hung, about, hung up about the number and they started giving the worst. Thinking that they were pleasing God. God doesn't care. He doesn't need your milkshake cups. He wants your heart. We read in first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will be um, abound in every good work. I love this idea of each of you, of you should give whatever is decided in your heart to give. This is between you and God. It's not between you and the church. It's not between you and me. It's between you and God. Give what you believe is right to God. If you've been feeling a bit uncomfortable through this message, going, oh, oh, can I afford to have the conversation with God? Just have the conversation with God. that's That's all he wants is a relationship. Now, if you're looking for some figures and numbers, the Bible says... A tithe in the Old Testament, 10% is a starting point. If you follow the scripture through, they ended up giving a bit more, like 20%. And by sort of the, the time, they sort of messed up. But that was sort of the practice. And that's where the word tithes and offerings comes from in the old Christian tradition at churches. You have your tithe, which is 10, your offering, which was another 10. If you're looking for a number, that was 20%. But if you really want to follow scripture, then you see the New Testament... And you see the early church, and what did they do? They sold all their possessions and gave it to the poor. That's 100%. You know, um, I like Corinthians where it says, give whatever's between you and God, because that, that's, that's what God wants. He wants your heart. 10% is a guide. 
It's a good starting point. But give from the first fruit. You know, we set up direct debit. That's the way we've, we've always done it um, for years and years and years now. I find it convenient. I find it quite painless because money goes in, money goes out. And I know that I'm on the right space. There's something about not having, there's something about putting cash in that I do miss. I don't know if I'm just a tactile kind of person. Um, but I'd forget, let's be honest. And I want to make sure that I'm honouring God. So we do it that way. But give, give what is, is what is right for you and God. If you're a uni student and you're studying and it's like, man, I, can, I got 10 bucks a week. Yeah, that's okay. God doesn't care about your money. Give you 10 bucks. But if you've got time, give you time. Give you time. Help out. Get plugged in. Do some stuff. Do some ministry. Get, get stuck into a small group. Get stuck into scripture. Show God where he is in your priorities. Like, yes, give of your money. Yes, there's biblical principles about that. But God wants your heart. He wants relationship. And give with joy. Don't give out of a, 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 this reluctancy or this grudging. It's like, uh, you know, give out of joy. God loves a cheerful giver. Give because of your relationship. God, I love for who you are. Thank you. I just say when we made the sacrifices for the church, the, the hardest part about making those decisions was knowing that, that when I had to, uh, and the elders were, were in this, we, we made the decision together, but, but as the leader, I still own that, that we made the decision to reduce the staff's hours. And I know that we made a decision that would affect people's children. Still carry that super heavily, still carry that deeply. However, I know it was for the benefit of the church. And I've been privileged to see the staff and the volunteers, and even that there's been some gaps where people have stood up and served God, and there's been just such incredible joy, even in the less there's been joy. Even that there hasn't been as much financially because God doesn't need your money, people's hearts and spirits and attitudes, and we're seeing more and more new people come into the church, not, not because of the money and the, the whiz-bang show or anything like that, just because we love Jesus and we want to serve him with all that we've got. 10% is a guide. Give from the first fruit. Give what is right between you and God and give with joy because God is God. And he's a good God, worthy of praise. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we ask that this week, this day, this moment, that we spend some time with you just looking at who you are to us as individuals and also as your church. I pray for those that have not been practicing this biblical, this biblical principle, gift, habit of giving, Lord, that, that they would be able to find space to have a real loving conversation, conversation with you. And in doing so, just with joy in their hearts, give what is right according to you and them, not anybody else. Lord, for those that have been faithful stewards of their finances year after year, Lord, I pray that they would be blessed, not because of their giving, but because you are in your rightful place within their lives. I pray that they would see the blessing that that effect has on others, as others get to come and experience you for the first time, as others get to hear the stories of a faithful God that loves them so much. 
And God, I, I pray also for the stewardship of the finances within this church. Lord, may we be held accountable in leadership for the way that we steward the finances that are given in this place to fulfill your mission. May we be faithful to you, led by your spirit, and may we make those decisions in guidance with who you are, with transparency and integrity. Lord, we pray that this day would be a day of celebration because we have set apart where you ought to be in our life and that has been echoed in and through every aspect of who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.